didn't know we're doing a monday edition now winter circle mondays this is our normal episode on wednesdays today we're going to discuss a potential new player with some new news on potential of him joining a tour that we talk about a fair amount that he's not currently on um then we're going to talk about a 25 handicap lady that took one lesson and won her club championship and how this story um, can relate to you in the golf game. And I feel like we're going to get into a few um, golf tips, if you will. Mitchell's going to go deep in his bag with his golf knowledge. Uh, also talking about Patty Harrington two clubs, two club warm up, so we can see how that can benefit your game and what's the what is the point of that, as well as Minwoo Lee's new clothing selection, which I am very jealous of. And we're going to preview and give you our Bet365 picks for the American Express coming up this week. We struck out a little bit on the Sony Open, but JT Poston fortunately just got hosed on Sunday after shooting a 61, I believe his lowest round on tour. Not to be remiss with getting sixth place just out of our each way top five. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any. Somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, dude? How is uh how's your week going? What what have you been up to? Uh, we talked on Monday. You know, we had the whole debacle about the, the chicken. Uh, you know, we bring a a uh, mulligan of the week to each pod and you just like you were just shooting from the from the hip there with like four or five of them i would have been saving those yeah no i generally fuck shit up a lot i don't even know if i should say that or not but there it is uh i generally make a few mistakes here and there throughout the week whether it's um work or you know just everyday life or at the gym i'm just constantly embarrassing myself but uh, it's just pretty much standard for me at this point, so I really don't care what anybody thinks. Um, I'm just curious, when you did the intro, it sounded like you were hosting an NPR show. Um, are you going to bring a little bit more energy, or wh- what's your deal here? You, I, I know you've got some sort of virus. Um, I don't know if Marissa should even be in the same room as you, but... Uh, I, I don't want to be in the same room. I, I don't blame you, because I wouldn't want to either, and... I don't know if it's required that you wear hot pink uh, crew necks with this virus you got or what. Well, first of all, this hot pink crew neck is fire. Like, look at the back of it. Okay, yeah. Is it's that got a all the different SpongeBob characters? Um, Yaya saw it, and the back of it, the two bottom pictures are SpongeBob and Squidward both carrying the pizzas, and we know what that means. Krusty Cray, yeah, 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 yeah. Pizza is the pizza, yeah, yeah, for you and me. So fuck you, this hoodie rocks. This sweater fucking rocks. You can eat. You can kick rocks. I can legitimately like 
picture the the episode i can almost like quote it where they're going to deliver the pizza it's for the customer <laughs> squidward it's for the customer <laughs> he's pushing through the fucking the sandstorm the tornado oh my god what a what a great time to be alive i miss spongebob but anywho what let's hear this this doctor's diagnosis because truth be told i haven't been to the doctor in the better part of half a decade uh doctors are just not for me and i would i would rather do anything than go to the doctor well yeah that was what i was trying to avoid uh since basically a couple days after christmas i've been feeling like dog shit for those of you that listen weekly uh, i'm still feeling like dog shit and finally yesterday i woke up i had to cancel my pickleball sesh that's how rough this is getting and i Honestly, like the thing that frustrates me the most is I don't mind being a little sick. Uh, it's getting warmer here, relatively speaking. So it's like 35 degrees, which felt like 60 yesterday um, compared to what it's been. But I feel like you can never get better when it's negative five degrees out unless you just never leave your house, which it, it doesn't suit well with me. I'm not a not leave your house kind of guy. After a couple hours of doing nothing, I kind of get nervous. I don't know what I'm doing. I get antsy. So long story short, I decided to go to a doctor and I have not been to a doctor since I was, I believe outside of college going to like the health center for a few issues here and there. Um, I, I haven't been to like a legitimate doctor since I was probably 18 or 19. And so I had to find a new doctor, which is a, you know, an interesting thing in general, use my health care, uh, my health insurance, found a nice little UC health clinic. Um, booked myself an appointment, filled out my new patient form, you know, did all the right things and, uh, then got an appointment for today. Uh, it's supposed to be yesterday and they canceled it on me. They were like, Nope, you're coming in tomorrow. I was like, cool. Just another day of feeling like dog shit. Appreciate it. Um, no, but really doctors are great and what they do. And I go in there today, get my weight fat. Um, the chick just tells me what my height is or asked me what my height is. I said six foot. So I just, you know, standard, standard answer. Um, and then you go do the, you know, the blood check and all that stuff. But there was a couple of odd things that happened to me. So this nice little doctor's assistant, older lady, she's helping me out with all the paperwork and, you know, she's sit, she said, sit down right next to this computer. So I sit down, good to go. She's sitting right next to me on this computer, typing all this shit up. And then she gets done and she's like, the doctor will be in. And um, the doctor's name is something ready. Um, so it, I know it's a, it's a lady. And she's like, you're going to love her. And I'm like, ah, great. She busts in the door like very happy and calls me buddy. And so I'm immediately a little torqued off by the buddy because she's younger than I am most likely or right about my age. Um, so that kind of set me off on the wrong foot with the buddy. Did she you go being... to a pediatric, uh, doctor or is this for adults? Like, did, you, did no, she it's... think you were 12? No, it's for adults. I don't know what, um, I don't know what the story is with it. It's a UC health clinic. It was a nice place under my insurance, super close to my house. So I, I did it, uh, you know, new patient scenario since I haven't been in so long, but she calls me buddy and then. She goes, are you sick? And I was like, well, why the fuck else would I be here? Um, and she goes, oh, okay, hold on. So she goes and grabs a mask for me when this other older lady is just sitting within breathing distance of me um, asking me all these questions. And she goes and gets me a mask, and then she goes, you sit over here. <laughs> so I had to get up, move myself to the other end of the room because she didn't want to be close to me. Um were you and, sitting on like that wax paper on the table? That's no, just like, I didn't have to sit on that. Luckily, luckily, okay. I didn't have to sit on the table like a little kid. You want to yeah. take my blood? Um, but I didn't have to sit on the, the little medicine table or whatever you call that. So I'm just sitting in a different chair, opposite side of the room from this lady. She's asking me all these questions, drugs, alcohol. I don't know how to answer any of them properly um, without getting a judgment. And then the craziest thing. So she is a physician, right? fucking got her master's got her doctorate probably and she goes do you drink alcohol and i said yeah you know a couple times a week that's a good standard solid answer because i the last two weeks been pretty off the sauce so i go yeah every couple weeks she goes do you smoke tobacco or anything like that and i said no and she goes any nicotine and i said yeah i said a lot of it i said zins she goes what's that 
And I said, what? I was like, how in the fuck do you not know what a Zin is? I'm baffled by this. Like, yeah, they run my life, but I don't expect everybody to know that what a Zin is. But she, I, how did she not know? And then I was telling some people at work about it. Um, Marissa mainly actually gave me some shit. She's like, did she tell you to stop? And I was like, no. Actually, she goes, that Zin pouch sounds like a great idea. I'm going to give those to all my patients that are trying to quit smoking instead of the gum if they don't like to chew gum. And I said, bingo. Exactly. Zin, zinin and winning. And I was just shocked that she didn't know what it was because that's, I guess, Zin maybe, you know, on whatever, all these other free ads are definitely not giving out anymore. Um, we lost our sign. But the... Uh, the fact that she didn't know what a nicotine pouch was was kind of just shocking to me. And I, you know, I, I immediately was like a little worried about she's going to go into this spiel about, no, I shouldn't do nicotine. And she goes, nicotine is actually not proven to cause any harm. It's just an addictive chemical. And I said, yep, I've read that on the million cans that I fucking pop every single week. So thank you. And I will continue to do my zins. And then she goes to look in my mouth and she goes, is that a zin? And I said, yes, it is. Oh my god! You I legitimately said, yes, had a zin in during, like you knew she was gonna fucking check you out, and you had a zin in. Well, yeah, I can't go without one. Like I wasn't eating, so <laughs> I, I I didn't bring the can in though. I left the can in the car. Just said the one here. If it goes bad, it goes awry. I'll just stick without one until I get back to the car. Uh, long story short, she gave me Flonase. Um, there was a fucking pharmacy. That's it? Yeah, there was a pharmacy right there. She talked about having RSV. She didn't really give me a, a direct answer on what I've got, but she said, I think you're going to feel better in a few days. And I said, thank God, but I've also been saying that for three weeks. That's why I'm here. That's why I went through all this fucking rigmarole to get my ass here. So also Flonase for me is a disaster because I hate things going inside my nose. I'm not a fan of anything around in and around my face or nose. So this Flonase scenario has not got me... It's got me fucked up because I got in the car and I'm fucking spraying it up my nose, sucking it up, taking Mucinex. Oh, that shit tastes so bad too when it runs down your throat. Oh, well, I actually, it actually didn't. So step, you know, cycle one through the flow nays. Shit in your nose that it couldn't even get to your throat. Probably, probably, but it didn't run down my throat. Uh, Session one with the flow nays went pretty well, but overall kind of what I expected. I was hoping for some sick antibiotics uh, didn't get any, but you know, that's how it goes. And hopefully, you know, I trust her knowledge and, uh, hopefully I feel better in a few days. We're just going to keep trucking. You should have, uh, asked for a codeine, um, prescription. Cause that shit will put you right to sleep. I'm not like encouraging codeine or use or anything, but I use, I had that shit when I was little, when I had a cold and I legitimately was like, so into it. Um, it was like hard to sleep without it. And I was like nine years old so that I probably had a problem pretty early, but a few things. So she's a doctor. Does she know that that kind of like comes with the possibility of being around sick people? Well, that's what I was confused by. I was like, like or was she like, can I not get sick this week? Well, she um, said, she said that she had just ran through the same scenario with her family in the last three weeks. And I was like, Oh, great. Cool. We're, Best friends here. That's kind of like F is for friends who do stuff together. What's that? That's what you sign up for when you become a doctor. Like you, you can't control what the fuck you're going to walk into on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, I think it's just the practice of, uh, what she does with me, AKA sending me to the other side of the room. And, and then she, oh yeah. She also said, I'm not going to touch you. And I was like, okay, like, I don't give a shit. Like, well, I don't know. And then she gently grabbed my ankles twice. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, I was so confused. You should have asked for this chick's medical degree. My God. Was she like, was she pulling the fucking switcheroo where she was like pretending to be a doctor for a day? She's like, know, oh, like yeah, I'll, I'll test his ankles. You, know you should have done when you said, when she said, I'm not going to touch you. You should have hit her with a dad joke and you should have been like, that's the only reason I'm here. Oh, oh yeah then then i'd just be getting fucking super fucking uncomfortable then i'd be getting handcuffed out fucking hr would be all over my ass um and i'm not that quick on my feet so 
if that was you, if I had your brain, maybe I would have said that, but yeah, she, and then, oh, they did ask me if they wanted to test for uh, sexually transmitted diseases. And I was like, I'm fucking married. It's, it's not a, that's not a thing anymore. So she's like, you know, just some young people. I'm like, bitch, I'm 30. I'm not young. I'm older than you are like that. She just gave me the, the, she gave me the little boy treatment, starting off with the buddy and then moving on to all the other shit. I just wasn't a fan. Yeah, that is the absolute worst. Um, I will say like, I guess for a doctor's appointment, you'd think you'd be in the clear, but like when I go into the dentist, I definitely like throw his in, in like on the, the ride there. And right before I walk in, I take it out. Um, so you, I, you know, I can only go like an hour or so I have, this sounds like psycho shit, but I have been trying to go throughout my workout at the gym without one in, which is usually about 45 minutes or so. And the crazy thing is, is like, I don't want to get too deep here, but I don't even think about it. Like, I'm not like, Oh shit. You know, like I really need a Zen, but then when it's in front of me, it's just like a constant reminder. Like, I actually need a, an assistant that just handles my Zins and keeps them out of my eyesight when I don't need one. So then I'm not thinking about it because I would go through so, so many less Zins per day if I just didn't have them in my pocket or like directly in front of me. It's just like a nervous, not a nervous, it's, a, it's definitely, um, what are they, an oral fixation. That's all it is. Yeah, they're my little buddies, and they just kind of enhance my day generally. Yeah. And sometimes there's been some times where I have forgotten that I like don't have one in, and I like need to go get one. And then the second I think you I have had one in for like forty five minutes, I'm like, ooh, like I get to go, I get to go find one. Let's go on a treasure hunt. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's also uh, a good reason to have just like a bite or two of a snack, just. Because then it like kind of refreshes your palate and then you throw in a fresh one and it just hits yeah. for some reason. Um, we could have done a, a whole show about just like top five nicotine hits, but that's probably not uh, not good to encourage people. Um, I know we've got a, a slight issue with it, but that's our problem to deal with. Oh, speaking of which, um, we put out that TikTok clip about um me making a joke about like if i quit drinking when i went on the pga tour and most of the comments on it were just talking about like how proud people are to be sober and like i have no problem with people being sober and like congratulations but that wasn't the fucking joke like it was clearly a joke i don't need to hear about your sober journey in our tiktok comments i I don't know if that makes am i am i an asshole for that um oh, oh any pub is good pub at this point if people want to talk about their sober journeys then i'm all for it i'm just like god damn what a fucking stick in the mud you are go drink your club soda by the way i do love a good Lacroix. i've been hammering Lacroix. i usually mix them with vodka though so no free ads to Lacroix. not like they're the biggest fucking club soda people in the world um but yeah uh Glad to hear that you're on the uh, on the mend a little bit. I hope to see you get better, and then maybe you'll stop bitching and moaning all the time about how sick you are because you just cannot stop for like a single day to try to make yourself feel better. Dude, it's just the frustrating part is is how fucking tired I am. Like I'm normally get up in the morning ready to roll for the day, and then today, like the last couple weeks, I just like I just want to go back to bed. I hate that feeling. I like to be ready. I'm ready to fuck today, and instead I've just let it hammer me. I'm the beta. You, you're I'm trying bottom. to. Be, you you like being top, and now you're bottom. This this sickness has got you feeling bottom. Yeah, this um, has got me feeling dead. Yeah, bottom. I think if you just slept a little more, you'd probably feel better. But you, I I don't know if like I would even want to be inside your brain because there's so much like messed up shit going on in there, but. You were like one of the most curious creatures I've ever (laughs) come across. Like, you're such a fucking weirdo how you operate on a daily basis. And I just want, I just wish I knew your motives for like being the way you are. Cause you're just such a, like, you have to be constantly, you're, you're motoring, like, you're like a hummingbird. I'm like, why the fuck are you the way you are? It just doesn't, 
and I feel like it's some deeply repressed shit <laughs> that you should probably get into with a therapist at some point. But uh, I just I don't know what you're avoiding, but <laughs> I feel I feel like you just got to try to sleep a little more, dude. Yeah, well, the the thing is, and you'll understand this if you if you ever birth children. I I didn't do myself, but I was a co. Is like when they go to bed, at, like my son goes to bed at like eight o'clock right now. The next couple hours are sacred because I can be awake and I don't have to do anything. I can do whatever I want. It's like a free free bet. I can just do whatever I want with this bet. And so now it turns into me watching Suits which I'm deeply like finally back into it. And it's just like so addicting that I watch a couple episodes and then I look up and it's like 11, 1130. I'm like, fuck, like I did it again. Instead of just being able to go to bed. That's the hardest thing. And they tell like, I want to study someday. I want to be smart enough to study the wants of humans and how the fact of like, whenever you don't want to do something, it seems like so hard and then whenever you want to do something, it seems like it can't get there fast enough. And like, I, I want to study the, the, you know, if you wake up to an alarm and you have to go to work, it's inevitably harder to get up at 6 a.m. than if you're getting up to go play golf at 9 a.m. and you wake yourself up at 6 and you're ready to go three hours before your tea time. You know, yeah. I, I want to know, I want to be inside the human brain where I could trick myself into saying I don't need to be up and then I will get up. But like, it's the same thing when he takes a nap. Like when they say, oh, you know, sleep when your kid sleeps. And I, and I get it. But like the second he's down for a nap, I'm like, sweet. I got fucking anywhere between 30 minutes and then two hours to, you know, do laundry or clean the kitchen or read a, read a book. What the fuck, who the fuck am I? Uh, look at my phone. Um, you know, just whatever I want to do. And I probably should be sleeping. But then the second he wakes up, I'm like, trying to like fake fall asleep on the couch. Like it's, it's just, I, I don't know. The human mind just is an unbelievable power, powerful thing that I want to know more about and just never going to get there. Just not on that trajectory. <laughs> I'm not, uh, not up to that task. No, I, I feel you. It's always a, like, I haven't had to wake up to an alarm in quite a while. Like when was it? We were on a trip and we had to, Oh, we were in Detroit and we had to wake up really early. And that shit sucked. Like, I think I borderline got a cold after that, just from waking up so early and probably just the whole week of drinking and not really sleeping and whatever. It was before Christmas sets so behind us. Uh, but yeah, the the sleeping scenario for you, I, I don't know how you survive. And I feel like you pride yourself on not sleeping. Like, do you think somebody's going to award, like give you an award for that? Like, do you, do you think you're tough? You think you're like tougher than sleep? Um, I no, I just it just gives me more time to do the things that I want to do. Well, you sit on not, your phone. Sleeping is not one of them. No, like if I wake up and I stay awake when I wake up with my kid at five a.m., then the next couple hours I can quietly on the couch either prepare for work, I can watch a TV show, I can. Um, you know, work essentially and get like more stuff done that I would have to do later on. Um, setting my setting later self, my later self up for success. So it just, it feels like my day is more productive when I get up at five than when I get up at eight, don't go to the gym. I'm rushing. I'm stressed. I'm trying to get to work on a certain time. Then I get to work and inevitably I fucking forget my laptop or some other shit happens. And then it's like noon and I'm like, where the fuck? Well, I haven't done anything. You know, it's just, I think it's just ingrained in me ever since the, the old golf course days. And I like, I like hate people that wake up after eight o'clock. I'm like, you're lazy as fuck. Sorry. No, that's okay. I, you can have a wrong opinion. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, eight o'clock is not, I get it like 11 o'clock, but for people that just have different lifestyles than you do, I, I think that's a little ridiculous to judge them on that just because you've got a fucking kid doesn't mean everyone else has to suffer with you. Yeah. I mean, I mean I I'm not, don't, I, I love your kid. You have a great family, but that it's not like anybody told you to have a kid and it was against your will. Like, how do it, you know that? I think you're, you're like the king of, um, like 
having consequences to your actions and then being like shocked by those consequences. Like, and it's just over and over. It's like you do this shit and then something happens because you did this and you're like, you don't get it. It's like, how many more times are you going to do the same shit over and over before you realize that there are consequences to your actions? Well, I'm pretty aware that my actions are consequential and let's move on from this fucking therapy session. I'm pretty, I'm sure everyone listening now, if you've, if you stayed on through this, uh, let's talk about some golf and let's talk about some news that hit, uh, just actually, actually after kind of during our pod on Monday. Now, once again, this is hashtag all caps rumor nuclear golf on X, a great follow. Uh, nothing is finalized. However, U.S. Open champion Wyndham Clark is reportedly close to joining Live Golf per at Live Golf Updates and at Flushing It Golf. World number 10 ranked amateur Caleb Surratt and Asian Tour player Kieran Vincent also rumored to make a move per, per at Handicap underscore 54, potentially rounding out John Rahm's new team. What is your initial thought to hearing this one and two, looking at Rom making the move but not having a team. Do you think? Do you think John Rom? Let me put it this way. Do you think John Rom would go into his first year at Live Golf where they really do support the team aspect of it more than you know we think they probably should? Uh, but just in general, that's kind of the point of the entire tour. Do you think John Rom would go into Live his first year with a team of scrubs? Now I'm not saying these guys are scrubs. Like that's not what the point of this was, but. What I'm asking is a deeper question of, do you think that there's bigger names that are under the surface that are just waiting for who knows what to join his team? Like, I don't think he's going to show up in Vegas the first week of February with a team full of fucking Jedediah Morgans. Oh, for sure. No, I I agree with you there. Um, You know, it all just kind of depends on who wants to make the jump. I mean, you could say that Wyndham winning a major this last year uh, kind of pushed him in the live direction. Like we've talked about before, where he's got an exemption into, uh, you know, the majors for the next handful of years. And then by that time, who knows what the tour is going to look like. It was just rumored today that uh, Jay Monahan was over in Saudi Arabia meeting with the head of the, the PIF so I feel like they're trying to get something done there. Um, you know, who knows what uh, what that looks like or the timetable for that. But I think it all depends on the dollar amount. You know, like if I had to guess and you tell me, okay, Spencer, think of a number in your head that you think they offered Wyndham Clark. I'd say it's got to be around. Well, I told you to think about it and not say it, dipshit. Okay. Because then I'm going to throw out my number and then we'll see. <laughs> I'm glad you used your ears there. Um, so hold on to that for just they're five pretty, seconds. They're pretty clogged due to the sickness. Sorry. Put some um, flonase in your fucking ear holes so you should, can hear me better. Should we say it on three together? Um, well, yes, mine is a range. So go. Oh, let's no pick an exact number. This could be fun. Okay. Okay. Um, three, two, two. One, one, two hundred million. Okay, so we're in we're in the uh, we're in the vicinity there. You really think that Wyndham Clark is worth half of what John Rahm is worth? Two hundred is not yeah. half. He's probably in the five to six range. He wouldn't say, but isn't just take a step back and think about how crazy it is that we're talking about golfers making this kind of money. Like this is. Talk about inflation. Like five years ago, it would be a great, crazy year for a guy to make $10 million in a year. And obviously, Liv has completely changed the game, but we're talking about John Rahm making five or $600 million as a golfer. Like when you really step back and think about it, I don't know why it's taken it this long for it to like hit me, but that's fucking insane. Like who wouldn't take that money? Like I get it, ten, twenty, thirty million dollars is life changing. Five or six hundred million dollars is a totally different level. That's like in another fucking stratosphere. I don't know why anybody wouldn't do that. And even Wyndham, like, say he's in the hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollar range. Who in their right mind would say no to that? 
Like you can't sleep on your morals at night. Like my God. Yeah. The bed and pillows of morals is slowly, uh, disintegrating in general. I prefer they were stuffed with cash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the only reason I think it's the 200 million is he obviously now is one a major, but he's a name. Like you could find somebody with the the same resume as Wyndham Clark, but they're not going to be 28 years old. They're not going to be a, you know, the current U.S. Open champion, obviously, and they're not going to be uh, well-known around the golf world. I think he, in the last year, with his wins on the PGA Tour, has made himself more of a name, and I think that's what they're paying for. And we do have an update here. Uh, this is from Flushing at Golf, and it says... Sources are now saying the transfer of Wyndham Clark to Legion XIII, which sounds like it's John Rahm's team name, uh, might have fallen through. But this is the interesting part of this. It's unclear who John Rahm will now target at this late stage or if the Masters champion will go back in with another offer. It's all happening with just two weeks left to the start of the season. Stay tuned for more updates. So interesting to think, like, you know, in this aspect, it's not live golf going to Wyndham Clark it's masters champion John Rahm you know yeah. that that changes things I think in the minds of a of a player being targeted yeah well and in that case I would you know it's hard to say with John Rahm because he is European but he went to college here in America that just makes me think he would target more like European guys and I still I still go back to Tommy Fleetwood for some reason I don't know why I feel like he would make the jump. And there was even people like, this is a total rumor. Um, and I, I don't really think there's any like validity to it, but it's kind of a thought. Um, with all these guys on the PGA Tour leaving Nike, do you think that Nike could be um, forming a an alliance with the Live Tour at some point? Like as their official apparel of the Live Tour? Like... I mean, there's so many possibilities with all of this shit. It's, you know, it's week in, week out. You don't know what's going to happen. That's kind of the fun part. But I still think that there's going to be somebody on the on the DP World Tour mostly that comes over and uh, and comes on <laughs> comes on John Rahm's golf team. Um, well, and even Lucas Herbert uh, came over to Bear the. Do you say Air Bear? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh Remember we God. had that conversation on this podcast. Okay, because I was going to say, I think there was a, a small group of people that thought Justin Herbert's name was Justin Hair Bear. I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, use your brain. But uh, yeah, the what was his name? Lucas Herbert? Yeah. Got, now you got me messed up. Yeah, this um, guy. Yeah, yeah, he does. Fucking I, I hate to comment years. on somebody's physical appearance because I'm no fucking statue of um, moderation or, you know, built body myself. But uh, the dude has got one wonky ass ear. Um, it's just kind of hard to see. And the, the Twitter comments were just flat out mean, like talking about Dumbo comments. I would never say any of this, but people were calling him Dumbo, saying that, Sources are uh, saying. Yeah, people, mean people on the internet, like uh, somebody said they would save money on flights because he'd fly over there himself with his ears. Um, <laughs> there's so <laughs> so many mean people on the internet. I, uh, I just can't even imagine commenting something like that. But he's also, I think he's joining the cliques or something, um, which is definitely the most boring live team possible. I think Richard Bland is their captain. So no, it's it's Graham GC. It's our Ripper GC boy. Oh, he's oh yes, he joined Ripper. Yeah, he uh, rounded out Cam Smith's team, so maybe they'll have a, a decent chance at at the uh, team title now. But lots of things going on in the live world. Where is their first event? Uh, it's in Vegas Super Bowl week. Oh, is that the first event of the year? Mm-hmm. February second through the fourth. So I'm actually just going to be really curious because we were in Phoenix for the Waste Management and Super Bowl week last year. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what Vegas looks like Super Bowl week with the live event and see what kind of turnout they get. But the more I've thought about it, the more I thought about how genius it is. 
um, that it gives people something to do throughout the week, especially because it ends on Saturday. Um, I bet they're going to get a great turnout crowd wise and uh, just a, a real good chance to grow the game. I might have, I might have royally fucked this. Hold on. What? So, Liv is actually at Mayakoba the first week of February. Okay, right? but then they're in Vegas. But I maybe they are in Vegas for the Super Bowl week. Yes, they are. Okay, no, I'm not crazy. Okay, it's just this. It's just the second event, not okay. the first event. So Mayakoba the first week I of knew February. They were for the Super Bowl. Yeah, or then they are. Vegas. But yes, uh, like they basically did this because they were like, hey. You know, how many people that are just in town for the Super Bowl and they know that there's a golf tournament there are not going to at least think about going to check it out? Now, who's who's to say how many people are actually going to go? But, like, you know, like you said last week, how many... I mean, we've been to the Waste Management a couple years in a row now, and how crazy was it last year compared to normal? Like, I've never been at a place outside where I can't walk, and that's how insane it was at Waste Management because it was Super Bowl week as well. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to going this year, and hopefully, like, I love the crowds and shit, but maybe it'll be a little bit more low-key. Um, you know, we could only hope, but I guess you uh, you, you never know. There, I'm sure there's going to be millions of people there still. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute madhouse. Um, let's get into the instructional part of this podcast. This isn't a normal thing. Um, but well, real quick, I think we need to give, uh, I, it, this is pretty new news. Uh, we need to give Jeremy Paul a shout out. He just won on the corn Ferry tour. Um, they had a, a weird event. I think it's, did it start Sunday and end today? Yeah, it was, well, it was in, it started Sue Saturday or Sunday. Well, if today's Wednesday and it, it's a four day event, then it started Sunday. Uh, but they, they I think the corn Ferry tour is kind of doing these like, opposite week events and i honestly don't hate it as long as it's pretty well like advertised so we you know if it's on tv you know when you can watch it and shit uh but the paul brothers uh both coming from cu originally from germany are on their fast track to getting pga tour cards i mean yannick has already cemented his his status on the dp world tour and now jeremy wins the first event of the uh corn fairy tour season so pretty cool stuff i mean you don't hear about a lot of i know they're they're not from colorado but the fact they went to see you um i actually played in a few money games with those guys down at desert forest uh four or five years ago when they had no status anywhere and um they definitely were really good then so obviously they've They've really ironed it out and, and dialed their their games in to the point now where they're they're on like the top of you know the f- top of the world golf wise playing on two of the biggest tours in the world. So yeah, well, let's talk about that on Monday on our winner's circle episode. We can give a little shout out to the Colorado Buffalo Jeremy Paul. Um, okay, it's kind of funny that real quick, I guess while we're on it, that they name their kids Yannick and Jeremy, like. Where's that, you know? Yeah, one one seems a little... Uh, they, they don't seem very similar. No, they're different. Yeah, that's what, that was my point. Let's see if Yannick has a German um, meaning. This is outstanding podcasting. Well, you try talking for a few minutes. <laughs> All right, well, while you're getting on that, we are going to move on and talk a little bit about the instructional part of golf in general uh there's a couple different stories that came out this week one of them um you know it's golf.com golf week all of these you know we read the stories and uh some of them are very clickbaity this one was a little quick clickbaity because you know with the handicap in golf in general you can win any event with a big handicap or like you're playing against people generally that are in your level they kind of make it seem like this 25 handicap lady just all of a sudden shot like 65 and won a club championship against a bunch of scratch players, which isn't what happened. Um, But this was a story from golf.com and uh, the teacher, Jorge Parada. uh, He basically, he talked about this on the pod, on the podcast called son of a butch. Great name, by the way. Um, But this, this lady basically went on a, 
course went to an on course lesson with this pro and changed her game immensely. And, you know, obviously we taught for, you've been teaching for almost 10 years. I've been on and off teaching for the same or even longer uh, when I started to learn how to give lessons back in college. And the just talk about the value of an on-course lesson and what you get from it. And I'll read just a little, you know, well, I'll tell you, I'll let you talk about the value and then we can read the quote um, from this coach that basically uh, Claude Harmon, the son of Butch, hence the podcast name came out with, but basically talk about the value of playing golf versus having a good golf swing, I guess is kind of the way I look at this. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, golf is a situational game and you can hit the range for as many hours as you want, but it's, it doesn't mean it's going to translate to the golf course. So you need to know when to hit certain shots and what situations, uh, you know, to play it safe, to go for it, things like that. So, uh, that is the biggest thing that I, I realized with on course lessons, um, and not a knock on your general amateur, but, you know, they are amateurs for a reason. And there is still a, a big group of uh, amateurs in the game that really have no idea when to situationally play different types of shots, uh, whether it be a, a low, uh, lower chip shot with, you know, less than a 60 degree or uh, one, one that always cracks me up is when somebody just busts out a tail as old as time, um, a high handicap busts out a 60 degree wedge and lays it wide open when they have all this green in the world to work with and they you know lay the sod over it and go right under it or they skull fuck it right in the head and it, for lack of a better term it goes straight over the green they've been um, watching too many phil mickelson videos that's the issue exactly they've been watching minwoo lee too much on tiktok hitting those flop shots uh but yeah it's just all about situational golf and and when to hit shots and when to lay back and when to, and in my opinion, I read some of this article, some of it is questionable, like hit your seven iron, even though it can't even reach the fairway. Um, that seemed a little curious to me. Like, I think you could find a club between maybe a seven iron and a three wood that would get you to the fairway that kind of takes some of that trouble out of play. Um, but there's so many other shots like uh, the hybrid chip, that a lot of amateurs do not know about uh, that is super easy to do, super beneficial for your game, depending on the situation. So there's just so many different shots you can hit. And a lot of amateurs like try to hit those, but part of it is knowing when you can and or should and shouldn't hit those types of golf shots, I think is mostly what an on course lesson does for you. And it just gives you some confidence as an amateur uh, to know you're making the right decision in order to commit to a golf shot, because that is, I think, one of the biggest issues with golfers, no matter what level, is just a lack of commitment because you're not super confident in the type of shot you're hitting. Um, for instance, like you step up on the tee and you don't commit to a ball flight. And I think that creates um, a lot of issues down the road as opposed to knowing what ball flight you're going to play and committing to that swing in that target line. So there's just so many different ways an on-course lesson helps, but uh, it all does depend too on how good you are at striking the ball. I mean, if you can't execute any of these shots, there's really no sense in going out on the course yet and learning this stuff because it's all good in theory, but if you can't execute, then what's the point? Yeah, and that's a perfect description of it because – the, the first step to getting better at golf is just hitting balls and, and learning the right way to actually make contact with the ball on a full swing, whether that's a seven iron, a driver, a wedge, uh, and learning the techniques. But, you know, a 25 handicap, you can relatively assume um, that she's, you know, a, a little higher than bogey golfer, but there's a certain level of player that once you've kind of crossed over a threshold then it becomes how do I score? And there, you know, there's there's levels to le learning golf and being better at golf. And this is kind of that, you know, second level of all right. I know how to hit the ball. I know how to hit certain shots. You know, everybody's shot arsenal is not going to be the same as a PGA Tour player. 
um, but learning the way to hit certain shots and then applying that, you know, just like in the real world, you learn something and then you apply it. Um, learning how to hit certain shots or learning why a certain shot is better and then actually applying it when you get out on the golf course because some people uh, that we've seen can have the best golf swing in the world on the driving range and they can't get it around. They can't shoot low numbers. They can't shoot, you know, I've seen guys that hit it like a scratch player and are a 12 handicap. And then I've seen guys that their golf swing looks like they've never played before and they know how to play golf and they shoot 72, 73, 74 because they know how to actually play the game of golf versus swinging the club. Yeah, and then you have your elite players that know exactly how to get it around and what shot to hit and what place, and then they execute every time. Like, that's what truly uh, makes an elite player, in my opinion. Yeah, like a PGA Tour player, if they want to hit a low cut, like they're going to... They're not going to always execute it to absolute perfection, but they know exactly what they're trying to do. They know exactly where they're trying to aim it, and they have to commit to hitting you know, the golf shot, which you talked about. Commitment is a hard thing. It's even hard for me still. Like I know I can probably hit a cut with my driver 90% of the time and hit a pretty decent one. Um, sometimes it's a slice, but then there's certain holes where I'm like, oh, I wish I want to be able to hook this one. And that's where, like, really playing in scrambles sometimes just, like, fucks my game. And I'm not saying it's it's my fault. Like, I'm not, this is a consequential action here that I'm taking, um, I'm taking, adv- not advantage of. I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm realizing that a consequential action is trying to hit a draw when I don't normally hit a draw. But when you're in a, a scramble and somebody's in the fairway and you just want to hit it as far as you can or draw it around the corner and get it onto the green... I end up opting for that shot, which then down the road, if I'm playing a, a stroke play event, it's not always the best for my my golf swing. No, that is fair. Scrambles can mess up people's golf games because you don't play how you would normally play your own ball. So you're a much better scramble player than me. We've discussed this before, but you're much better at scrambles. And I would say I'm better on a general day-to-day stroke play basis. Um, you do beat me sometimes, but it's just a, a kind of a different mindset that we carry where in a scramble, I don't really try to like do anything outside of the realm of my game, um, which is probably why I haven't gotten any better, but I really haven't gotten any worse. So, you know, it's kind of pick your poison. Yeah. So also in the instruction realm, we're going to talk about, um, we've got a video here. Once again, if you're not Watching us on YouTube, check it out, youtube.com, Big Drive Energy Golf. Uh, All of our podcasts are on here, our shorts. Um, Every single week, we're live twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. But we've got a video here from Patty Harrington. um, And the video is from, it looks like, I think the PGA Tour or whatever tour he's on currently. But he's doing a two-club warm-up. And Mitchell, I want you to just get into uh, what this does and... Um, clearly the intern or whoever's taking this video doesn't understand the golf swing all that well. Um, but some of the comments are, uh, it's called getting old, but, but Patty, Pat, Padrag, he's a genius. And then another comment, did somebody off camera say, who is it? Should they really, oh, should they really be there in the company of a three-time major champion and say that? Um, but so that that comment right there just is piggybacking on what I was saying, where it's like somebody's like, "What is this guy doing?" Um, but go ahead and just talk about the little two club warm up action. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've actually used this before. I think a lot of good players have used it before. It's basically in order to isolate each arm movement uh, because a lot of times your arms don't want to work together, and one arm will execute properly what you're trying to achieve and the other arm because they are independent things you know they don't work in harmony together um so i think uh it's a great drill for people to just pull the club into the right direction i don't know why i said pull um take away the club in the proper direction and uh to really get the position at the top of the backswing that they're looking for with both hands and feel different things in each separate hand. So simply speaking, it, it allows you to see the movement of each arm individually to see what the root 
of your issue is if you're struggling at the top of the backswing or anything like that, or even if you're not struggling, it just makes sure, uh, you know, both arms are, are in sync working together as one. Yeah. And that's one of my, um, my few teaching tricks that I've got up my sleeve. It's a fucking, it's like a cutoff level sleeve of teaching tricks, but I've got one. Uh, and that's when people ask me how to grip the club when they're very beginning, you know, obviously ideally a grip of, um, you know, the pinky over, um, or the pink, the pinky over or the interlock, the overlap is what it's called. I got there. And then the interlock are the best way to grip the club. Now, this isn't saying you can be successful with a quote unquote baseball 10 finger grip. I shot quite a few 82s in my senior year of high school with a baseball grip. So no hating on that. Um, but kind of speaking to what you said, you want your hands to work together. And a lot of the golf swing in general is your body working, t- your different different parts of your body, your hands, et cetera, working together in unison vor- versus, you know, one hand going one way, one hand going this way. Your left leg is, is pulling forward while your right leg sliding. You know, you don't want to have a lot of like existential movement in your golf swing. You want to be able to just make one solid move that's repeatable and consistent. And I think the number one thing I always get when I do teach a lesson is somebody's like, I just want to be more consistent because they've hit great golf shots and then they've hit a, a lot of bad ones and really creating one consistent movement with your body and, and allowing it to work all together, I think is the, is the ultimate success for that. Yeah. I mean, whatever is going to improve your pivot is going to improve your consistency and pivot is just a fancy term for how efficiently you uh, turn back in your backswing and then rotate through into the downswing and into the follow through. Uh, So if that means your arms working better together, uh, you know, your hands working as more of one unit, the pushing and the pulling of the hands, whatever, um, that's all convoluted too. But fun fact, actually, when you're when you're swinging through, I'll try to keep this short, but like when when your hands get down to like impact, what do you think your hands are doing? Like well, I, from a, from a motion standpoint, I I want to say pulling down, but they're not. <laughs> like I I know that that's like they're actually pulling upward, like that they've found through like biomechanics and scientific shit that if you're trying to improve your your club head speed you're actually your hands are supposed to be traveling more upward quicker so yes did did you just give me a thumbs up on that or oh it's (laughs) oh hell yeah thumbs up to me give us a thumbs Uh, up baby yeah uh but it's it is pretty wild because your hands are actually kind of pulling back because you're you're throwing the club head out in front of you. It's all a lot of uh, a research and nonsensical bullshit. And I'll also say that I'm not qualified to teach anybody like the actual forces of the golf swing. There's actual scientists that study this shit. Um, but that was kind of the Cliff Notes version. If you're an idiot, because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, we are both idiots and. Um, we need to get to uh, the American Express and our picks, and then we also need to uh, get to our fairway or four. So first of all, the American Express, um, our picks fell a little short last week, but we're back, back on the horse, and all of our picks are brought to you by our friends over at Bet365. Bet365 is the spot where we do all of our betting with, especially golf. It makes it super easy um, to bet golf because you've got the each way button right there. So when you sign up for bet three, six, five, use the code all city uh, and choose between two offers of a first bet safety net of a thousand dollars or betting $5 and getting one fifty in free bets. When you sign up with the code, all city must be 21 plus please gamble responsibly. If you're someone who knows a gambling problem and wants help call or text one 800 gambler. So let's pull up our picks here for the American express. Um, the tour is back to California um, and Mitchell, you want to go through yours? You want me to go through mine first? Um, I'll go. Th- I'll go for it real quick. Um, I'm going with some uh, some higher odds this week. Um, we've, you know, we we don't like to take guys that are 
plus eight or nine hundred because there's just not a lot of value there. Um, so bet three six five actually has Sam Burns boosted from plus thirty three hundred to plus four thousand to win. Uh, everybody knows Ryder Cup player, lots of previous success um, in the desert in California. I think he will do well. Uh, so he's plus four thousand boosted on the bet three six five app. Then I've got Adam Hadwin. Uh, just a Canadian that knows how to make a bunch of birdies. Um, and I will say that a lot of Canadians like to snowbird in Palm Springs where they are playing this week. So it could be a good spot for Adam Hadwin. And then you've got Jason Day, the Aussie, uh, plus 3,500. Um, he's actually improved his golf swing quite a bit. I saw a few recent videos of his swing, and he's getting a lot more uh, trail hip turn and really like helping his back from what I've seen compared to what he used to do. Um, so I'm sure his back problems have kind of been helped by that. And he's just playing some pretty good golf in that crazy, uh, crazy clothes he's got on now the Malvin um, golf, golf clothes sponsorship. Good guy. I can't fucking talk. Uh, but yeah, I expect him to shoot some low rounds this week. Love that. And this is one of those interesting tournaments where, if you don't know, now you know, because we told you here at Big Drive Energy, but they play it at three separate courses, uh, days one, two, and three. And then um, the final round is at the Pete Dye Stadium course. There's also the Nicholas Tournament course and the La Quinta Country Club. Uh, So just interesting in terms of scoring, because there's going to be courses that are inevitably easier for guys and courses that are harder. So it's kind of like the the morning afternoon draw type of scenario. I, I bet the players like this in terms of like the, the tee times are a lot cleaner. The first three days, they're not like, Oh, we get the afternoon where it's windy or we get the morning where it's still cold, you know, relatively speaking in California. But um, my picks for this week are Sun J M at plus 1600 each way at one through 10. He has no worse than a T 18 here, but no better than a top 10. So five years of playing at this event, which is insane to think cause he's so young. Uh, Minwoo Lee plus 2200 this is his debut at the American Express but he's one of the world's hottest players right now so I'm gonna kind of ride him and then uh, Akshay Batia I think he's a guy he's gonna be like our Eric Cole I think this year where we're gonna constantly have him up there Uh, he is from Los Angeles California so from the general vicinity Uh, once again I have two guys making their debuts here which generally doesn't bode well for most players but uh, that's why we're doing the each way bets with bet three, six, five and getting one through 10 as well. Um, before we get out of here and do fairway or four, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Breckenridge distillery. Uh, I was cleaning up my liquor cabinet this morning, putting some more liquor downstairs where I don't see it as much and saw that nice, uh, powder hound bottle that you guys bought me. And I think I'm going to go home and have a few. Uh, I've been, I've held off for a couple days, trying to not drink during the week and only on the weekends, but I think it's time for, since I'm still feeling a little sick, we'll go, I'm a big, big into the tea right now. So I think maybe a hot toddy with uh, the powder hound just kind of put me to sleep a little bit since I didn't get that prescription that I had hoped for at the doctor's office. Um, But Breckenridge whiskey is one of the best distilleries in the entire world. If you ever get a chance to go to Breckenridge, Colorado, check out the distillery. They are great food get to try all the whiskeys, get to buy whiskeys that are only sold and, and distributed there, which is a cool perk. Um, but Breckenridge Distillery is not only in Colorado. You can find it in all 50 states at www.breckenridgedistillery.com. Also, our friends over at Burrito Express when we head down to Arizona. Um, over under on the Burrito Express breakfast burritos we eat that week. We're there for four days. I'm going to say I'm going to set the over under at two and a half. What do you think? Are we over or are we under? Um, I'll take the over. Yeah, I think we'll make at least two or three trips to um, Burrito Express, one of our favorite breakfast burritos in the whole world. They have six locations around all of Arizona. Make sure to check them out. The Tempe location right by Arizona State. It's a great spot. Great breakfast burritos uh, or all-day burritos in general. If you just want a great burrito, uh, I'm going to be off my diet right when we go down to the waste management, so I am going to be going ham. Uh, on all the food that I've not been able to eat for 30 straight days. So Burrito Express, make sure to check them out if you're in Arizona. All right, fairway or four, wrapping it up. I have one this week. I'm prepared. I'm ready to roll. I'm going to start it off. So I was thinking about this today when I was cleaning up my house a little bit, 
Um, and I have a couple, you, you've been on my couch, you know, my living room couch, very comfortable, but there's two very distinct pillows on my living room couch. There's ones that are pretty, they're thin ish, they're not, you know, paper thin. Nobody likes paper thin pillow, but they're thinner, but they're more shaped and they're like pretty square. And then there's some that look like they've just been battered and broken. And I personally am a big battered and broken pillow fan. Like I want my pillow to look like it's just a big puff. And it looks like you can, you know, punch it and it's going to lose, it's going to shape differently every time you put your hand on it or your head on it versus one that's just like you punch it and then it goes back to normal form. So what fairway or four, are you a, a battered and broken pillow guy or are you a, a shaped and nice, thin, comfortable pillow guy? Well, I don't know exactly how you're going to word that on like a Twitter poll if you put those out for the week, but I'm definitely like a, a worn in more. I'm a more worn in pillow type of dude for sure. I love a good soft pillow. Uh, I do actually prefer a thin pillow. I sleep with a pretty thin. I'm only a one pillow under the head type of dude when I sleep in bed, um, which I don't know if that's psycho shit or not, but I am not a huge uh, like pillow um behind me when i sleep type of guy like behind you and your back or like un, like behind your head no like under my head i guess is what i meant oh yeah so it's like a little a little home a little triangle around your head is that what you're saying no oh my god i just meant like one thin pillow underneath my head i'm not like a big like puffy pillow i like soft not soft, but I like thin pillows that don't like have that much like body to them. Damn. So we're, we're on opposite sides of this. See, like, I feel like those thin boys, they make my neck hurt. See, but I think my like shoulders are just so wide that I, I don't really know why that means anything, but it feels like if I can just keep my head, if I can just find a pillow, cause I sleep a lot on my side. If I can just keep a pillow that's like the size of my shoulder where i'm laying on my side my neck doesn't like crank one way or the other i feel like i have the best chance of not waking up and feeling like i just got hit by a truck that's fair i also have a funny comment here because i wrote down my fairway or four this week uh this is just going back to the doctor's office there was a uh there was an old man in there and his wife and they were probably 80 to 85 and they had like a caretaker with them who was completely disinterested in the, I wanted to take these old people in and go get their prescription for him. But, uh, the guy, the wife goes, are you tired, honey? And he goes, I'm not tired. I'm wired. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard because that's such a like young, like meme, tired, wired comment. And he was just, Nope, I'm not tired. I'm wired. We could have a weekly clip on this podcast. Like what's tired and what's wired. Oh, we could do that. I kind of like that. I, so, something to something to um, something to workshop there. I was gonna say that's that was the word I was thinking. Uh, workshop. Um, so my fairway or four this week. Uh, I got an alert from um, the the cloud from Apple Cloud, the iCloud, that uh, my storage is almost full, like two hundred gigabytes. Um, which I'm like, what the fuck is that? But turns out I just never, like I haven't deleted a text message since 2019. Um, so I've got like a hundred gigabytes of text messages on my phone. Um, so is it, <laughs> oh God, now here goes Spencer scrolling down to the bottom. No, I'm just um, curious now. I'm going to the depths of hell here. But, I know. Um... So my fairway four is it out of pocket? Uh, like, am I a psycho for never deleting my text messages? I don't think so. I think it's a... I just feel like you always need something for proof, like that you discussed something, that something was told to you, or vice versa, that you can go back to. Um, so, yeah, I don't really delete texts or a lot of photos. Like, I've got 4,000 photos and, like, probably... I want to say there was like 20,000 text messages in there, which no, that's light, probably like 200,000. Um, so yeah, I probably need to go through my phone and just delete some shit. Yeah. My uh, last text in my phone is from December 17th of 2019 as well. Holy shit. So, so we're kind of on the, the same. It's a fucking, 
it's a disaster in here. So I guess this is a question for Marissa. Marissa, do you think we're psychos that we haven't deleted a text in four years? Uh, no, because mine is five twenty four eighteen. So holy shit! So we're all in. I guess uh, I guess it's not as weird as I thought. Then we're all psychos. Uh, uh, one thing I will say on your storage scenario. I don't know what you listen to your favorite podcasts other than Big Drive Energy on, but that will clog your shit. Like, just undownload every podcast you've already listened to, and that will help you a ton. Just a little tip for you. Yep, yep. I've looked into that. Um, I, I've I've tried to manage it. They like Apple wants me to spend another ten dollars a month on more storage, and they just give it to you every way. Like, oh, they've completely sucked me in on all the storage. I get like. Cause I get credit card alerts. I get like 10 or 15 a month. That's just like, you've been charged 99 cents. You've been charged $2. You've been, I'm like, fuck it. I'm not, this is, this is not worth my energy to look into this. No, I, I totally understand. Uh, but yeah, just a, a pain in the ass. I need to go through and most of them I, for some reason, like, I, I don't know. I don't even want to get into it, but it feels like there isn't even, um, text messages from people that I have like as contacts in my phone. So it feels like the cloud stored them and then like repopulated them on my phone. So, uh, but anywho, well, uh, that Spencer, will happen. I, I can't see you. So I don't know if the camera went out or what, but let's wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to big drive energy this week. Follow us on Twitter at big drive energy on Instagram at big drive energy pod. And on the TikTok as the kids call it, at Big Drive Energy Pod as well. We've got Pro Shop TikTok. We've got clips from our pod. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com, Big Drive Energy Golf. You can catch us there every single week, twice a week. Um, I am at Big Drive Spence. He is at Big Drive Mitch. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the American Express. Enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Peace. Peace.